Welcome to Beyond the Veil. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Soma Studio Venue, located in Nelson, British Columbia. All right, I am here with Mike Reed, joining from Vancouver, Canada, and we are going to be talking about sound, sound healing, everything that Mike has been doing with his business. Um, thank you, Mike, for being here and joining the space and my pleasure. Your insights. Looking forward to this. And first of all, so we've 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 had a little bit of a pre-chat. We're going to go off into different streams of discussion, but I would love to hear. So just to put it into context for everyone. So you, how long have you been doing this for? Uh, sound healing and working on big big events and private events also. Uh, it all started, I would say, the big year where things made like the leap from you know private like one-on-one sessions to like going out into the world and doing these like large public events with lots of people was 2018 so it's been five straight years of you know consistently doing a circuit of sound bath events all over the region where i live and then um, also in the summers i usually go out on on like a tour outside of um, you know the the greater vancouver uh, Whistler, Vancouver Island area. Do you go international? Have you? Yeah, I've done. Uh, I've done Mexico and uh, the U.S. as well. Nice. And so, I'd love to hear this transition because you have a background in music, and uh, you know, also we're going to be branching off into talking about um, the spiritual practice and our healing journey. And I'd love to hear what brought you into the work that you're doing, and what was that turning point that you? had gone through from your music, the the interest in your music background into doing what you're doing now. Yeah, okay. So let's rewind all the way back to when I was a little kid, like very small. Um, Music's kind of been in my family. It's something that almost everyone in my family does on some level. And so I was put into music like really young, like six years old, I was playing piano and then um i kind of got bored with that you know it it wasn't like cool i I started listening to like you know alternative rock music and punk rock music in my early years of like starting at like 11 12 years old you know and then i so i started to want to learn things like the electric guitar um and so i started playing guitar and i was in my a, a band when i was 12 years old and we like played in front of our whole school <laughs> and um, and then I moved to California um, and I started playing drums and then I switched from guitar to drums and I was in a few bands around um, the neighborhood you know in, in a town called El Segundo where I lived for basically all of high school and then um, and then I went to university because that's what they told me I should do. You know what I mean? I just said, they said, Oh, you need to get a degree. So I, I went and for whatever reason, I got a degree, uh, at university of Victoria cause we moved back up here and, um, I got this degree in social sciences, minor in, in business. Um, but it wasn't really like, I felt like I was going in this direction that I didn't really want to go in. You know what I mean? I saw like 
my friends starting to wear like suits to work and stuff like that. And that's just not a world I want to be part of like ever. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a suit and tie kind of person. I, I, I learned that, uh, pretty quick. Um, uh, but throughout university, I was always in bands as well. Like I was always like music has just been this constant thing. And so after I graduated from university, I kind of was like, well, I don't want to go down that, like, you know, corporate career path that I was feeling myself getting into. Um, and so I just totally switched gears and then went down to LA and uh, went to music school at Musicians Institute and really like honed my skills there for a solid year and really went down the rabbit hole of like specifically drums. I was like, I, I specialized in drums, uh, drumming performance um, down there. And then I came back to Vancouver, started gigging with a bunch of bands over several years. And that was fun and all, um, but there was some like unhealthy aspects to that scene, you know, um, being in like the music scene came with like, um, a lot of alcohol use and other things. And, and, um, yeah, I guess what happened was through like a series of, um, kind of falling on my face in many respects. Um, I started to seek out like wellness and healing and spirituality because I felt like that was really lacking in my life at that time, like in my twenties, you know, and, um, yeah, just uh, through a series of um, a series of blunders and mess messed up a bunch of times in like relationships and career and all that kind of stuff and and um, yeah, I just kind of felt like I was at, on my knees a little bit in my life, like in my late twenties, and so I went down this path of seeking health and wellness. You know, anywhere I could, I started with like yoga and. Um, then I was into float tanks, you know, sensory deprivation tanks. And I was, I joined a, uh, this shamanic apprenticeship, which was amazing with um, Angela Prider. And she, she guided me on this multi-year journey of like finding my um, quintessential essence, let's say. Um, Cause I don't know about um, anyone else, but I, I felt like I kind of lost myself in there in my twenties, I, I forgot who I was or something. And through this shamanic apprenticeship, um, I was guided kind of back home to myself. So that was, that was an amazing process. Um, but yeah, I was doing everything like, uh, men's work as well. Uh, psychedelic therapies. I was, um, I was working with, um, I went down to Peru and I met this master shaman that was the teacher of my teacher. And we did a, a process down there and uh, man, it was just this wild, wild journey over many years, over several years that um, got me to discover sound healing ultimately, right? So um, because I was on the path of like seeking, seeking wellness, seeking like to improve myself, seeking to, um, to heal a lot of things. Um, I found sound healing because I was going to this yoga studio 
and I saw there was this sound bath event happening and I went to it because I was like, mm, that looks interesting, right? What do you do? You just lie down and receive this, this sounds. I, I didn't even know what a sound bath was, but I decided to sign up and I went and I lied down and received this experience and I'll never forget, you know, what happened to me in there. I, I, it was like the deepest meditation I've ever experienced because the sound, he, sound and vibrational healing is, it creates this involuntary state of meditation. So I had never experienced that deep level of, of meditation where like the prefrontal cortex is turned off and my brain waves were reduced down to um, the, the uh, delta and theta brainwave zone. I didn't know what was happening to me at the time. Now that I'm a sound healer, I understand what was happening to me now. But I was having all these uh, visions and um, emotional releases. And my body was like having these involuntary movements. And uh, it was like a, a parasympathetic nervous system release was happening. And I just sat in my car after this experience for probably like half an hour, just sitting there like vibrating, like trying to understand what just happened to me. And from that point, that was the point where I was like, I have to know more about this, like what just happened to me. And um, because it's somewhat musical, there was like musical elements to that experience. I was like, I understood it on some level because of the musical background. So it, it fascinated me that that sound and music and vibration like that can uh, have the, these profound healing effects. And I always thought of music like it's for entertainment only. I mean, it can give you like emotional uplift, of course, when you hear like a beautiful piece of music, but in, in sound healing, it's, it's much deeper than that. So that's how I discovered sound healing. And then I got obsessed with it. And I went down this rabbit hole, you know, uh, just seeking information, reading books. I went to this uh, conference in San Francisco um, and I met all these other people that are sound healers in this world. And um, I, I started buying my own instruments and um, I started doing one-on-one -on -one sessions with people uh, for free just to get experience and get, um, get to figure out like what works and what doesn't in a, in a sound healing sound bath session. So over many, many months of doing these free one-on-one -on -one sessions for people, just acquaintances, friends, family, anyone that I could find like, Hey, do you want to come over and we're going to do this thing to you? And, uh, all I need is your feedback and people were like, sure, let's go. And then, um, so I had this like pile of, uh, feedback forms. Like I'd get them to fill out these like, uh, questionnaires. And then I compiled like data over a long period of time. And I figured out like consistently, like, over a broad spectrum of different people, like what do people like and what do people not like? So it was a very much like a self-training process along with some like supplemental training online and reading books and like um, talking to other people that have been doing it for a long time, right? And then when I felt ready, I had like this, this sort of template, let's say, of a soundscape that I figured out is like highly effective. And then I went out and I started doing a public sound bath event at a friend's uh, venue that I knew um, in, uh, in Vancouver. 
and um, started like figuring out how to like sell tickets online and uh, marketing events and that sort of thing. And, and then slowly over time, it just grew. And I realized um, that if I was going to do an event in the same spot, like too close together, uh, like in terms of like scheduled, like consecutively in, in the same week, say I did like three events per week, right? I noticed that attendance would like dissipate. Whereas if I did my events just once a month and created like some scarcity in that community, then the rooms would fill up and everybody would be there like all at the same time because there'd kind of be like one opportunity per month in that area for this experience to, for them to experience this, right? And then I said, okay, but I, I want to start like making a living doing this. So I can just like do once a month over here in this area. And then I found another friend of mine that owned a yoga studio uh, across the other side of town. And I started doing it once a month there. And then over time, what's happened is I've created this circuit of events all over the whole region where I just do one event per month in each area. And I space them out enough, you know what I mean? And so that kind of model is uh, how I've created SoundQuest and um it's been a fantastic journey you know i've met so many people over the last five years and um a lot of opportunities and doors have opened and uh it's been this incredible adventure you know i've, I've helped thousands of people now i've done like hundreds and hundreds of these um events and uh it's been a life transformative uh journey for me and now i'm teaching other people um how to do the same thing and how to make an abundant living while helping a lot of people through sound healing uh, through my new academy, SoundQuest Academy. Brilliant. I'm curious to know when you started compiling information from people, when you were testing your, your skills out, what was the consensus? What did you find people commenting the most on as far as positive feedback or even, mm. or even changes to make during that process? Yeah, I think it was all about like how I was guiding people in to the experience. Um, I got a lot of positive feedback about particular instruments. People really liked the gong uh, pretty consistently over like a broad spectrum of different people. So I, I kept working with the gong. Uh, people love this ocean drum that I use. Um, and people still to this day come up to me after an event and comment. It's usually about the ocean drum. They just love that one. What is that? What is an ocean drum? It's like this drum, uh, this closed uh, skin drum that has these uh, these beads or these like ball, little tiny balls inside of them. And, and then you just basically tilt the ocean drum like gently side to side. It sounds like the waves of the ocean. It sounds exactly like, like what you would hear if you were like lying right next to the beach or on a beach next to the ocean. So people really love that. It soothes them. It does actually uh, emanate the full spectrum of sound. So it induces this sort of like meditative state. Uh, and I find that's a great one to start with um, in a session before I transition into other instruments. I usually start with the ocean drum. And what are some of the other instruments that you're used that you typically use? Um, I typically use, I spend the most time on the gongs because I find that they're the most impactful. They have like the, 
the most uh, powerful effects on people uh, in terms of what people are looking for when they sign up for sound bath. I think the gongs, if you get the right gongs um, made by the right material and the right size and you mix and match them together if you're using uh, multiple gongs, um, if you mix, you have to mix and match them together a particular way, which I teach in my program. But um, the gongs, I use singing, crystal singing bowls, uh, Tibetan singing bowls, harmonium now. I really like the harmonium because it has the full musical scale. It's like a piano. It's an Indian uh, instrument. And it's sort of like this, uh, it's a wind instrument though. So you're, you're, you're squeezing this uh, accordion box and you're playing the musical scale on piano keys. So you can really make some beautiful sounds. And then I also use my voice uh, on top of that with some vocal overtoning. Um, native flute I use, um, chimes, Koshi chimes. And um, sometimes I'll bring in my steel tongue drum. And lately I've been uh, working with my guitar. I've, I've recently started uh, bringing in some more musicality into the sound bath at the end by playing guitar and like playing a little song at the end for people. Cause I find that's a good way to like um, bring people back like where they've gone deep into deep meditation, relaxation, altered state of consciousness. And then to slowly bring them back, you start, I start uh, playing some music uh, with the guitar. And I've used, I used to play uh, just music on a speaker, um, someone else's song, but I find like, if I can make my own music live, it's even more, I, th I think, I think it's, uh, I just think it's better. It's mm -hmm. live. People can feel the vibrations in the room from my guitar, from my voice. So, and and what happens just for people who may have not uh, gone to, who have not been to a sound bath before? What is happening during this time? What is the resonance that is happening within a person when they hear this music? What's going on with their body within their within themselves? And I know everyone has a different mm -hmm. experience when they enter, but mm -hmm. maybe just explain some of the different variations of experiences people will go through yeah and there really is a whole wide variety of experiences that will happen so i'll have a room of 30 people with me for example and there's going to be 30 different experiences happening simultaneously it all depends on what the person is what the individual is coming in the room with whatever's in their nervous system maybe something has happened to them that day maybe they have some unresolved trauma or maybe they're just feeling really good and they just end up falling asleep. You know, they might just fall asleep. Um, so many different things can happen in there. I've seen people have like involuntary movements with their nervous system resetting. And, um, but I'll explain to you why all these things happen. So on the physiological scientific level, what's happening is these instruments that I play are, emanating the full spectrum of the human hearing range and the, the the spectrum of the human hearing range is typically around somewhere 20 hertz to 20,000 hertz and beyond so when i'm playing these instruments the full spectrum is coming in and being heard and being perceived all at once right and when that happens the thinking mind or the 
the prefrontal cortex, analytical mind, the part of your mind that's hearing me speak right now and interpreting my words and making sense of things. It's like your alert consciousness. Um, it gets so confused by the all the vibrations and frequencies coming in all at once that it can't grasp onto everything that it's hearing, if that makes sense. So it's trying to grasp onto something, but it can't because it's just all happening all at once. And so that part of the brain gets confused and it just gives up thinking. And then you slow down the brain waves, the brain waves slow down. So you go from the beta brain wave, right? That's like this brain wave we're in right now. Like we're just like alert and awake and it slows the brain waves down. And then you go to what's called the theta brain wave and then the delta brain wave. So you're oscillating somewhere between uh, theta and delta, meaning uh, theta is another way of saying meditation, right? It's a scientific way of saying meditative uh, brain state. And then delta is sleeping. So you could easily fall asleep in a sound bath, like involuntarily. Even if you're not even that tired, you might actually just involuntarily fall asleep and start having these dreamlike visions. Um, but usually people end up somewhere in uh, non-sleep deep rest, right? And uh, when you're there, the body goes through several different self-healing processes. So when you're in non-sleep deep rest, the nervous system goes to the parasympathetic side of the nervous system. So your rest and digest state and the body returns to homeostasis and your body's just going to go through its own self-healing process and the emotional body is going to restore and the vagus nerve is going to be stimulated and everything's going to uh, reset restore and you're going to come out of this experience feeling amazing you know people come out of it like wow i really needed that you know because people are so much in the sympathetic nervous system state most of the day and when they go through this experience they come out just oh feeling like totally recovered and restored right um however it's not always just like this pleasant blissful spa like experience like some people can come in to the room and lie down and have a very challenging time but maybe that challenge is necessary because it's something that needs to be cleared out of the nervous system right or maybe it's a lesson in like they can't quiet their mind. You know, their mind is just so on and active all the time. They can't quiet that monkey mind. So maybe it's a prompt to maybe incorporate uh, some form of meditation every day in your life so that you can quiet your mind and become more uh, creative in your actions and less reactive in your days. Like just people that are in their mind a lot, they're constantly reacting to the external world all the time. And that's exhausting, right? So yeah, you're gonna have a full spectrum of experiences happening all at the same time in a sound bath, uh, depending on what people are coming in the room with. So I hope that kind of explains like what happens internally during a sound bath. Yeah, it definitely does. And I'd like to touch on 
the spiritual slash healing journey. We've talked about it before even entering this call or this um, recording. And I'd like to know what were the biggest takeaways that you experienced on your own journey? What were the, the biggest learning, life learning lessons that you had gone through? And especially leading you to doing what you're doing now. It's a spiritual practice, but it's also a business. So there's like the practicality aspect, but there's also the spiritual aspect. Maybe touch a little bit on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So th through my journey of seeking healing for myself, I realized, you know, I can be a healer for other people, you know, and I, I teach this in my program as well, like how to find your signature style or find your gifts as a sound healer right and and what that is is basically like going back through your history like through your life resume and finding out what you have in what i call your medicine bag so what has happened to you what has um what do you have training in what have you been on the receiving end of all of these things can come out through you and channel through you um, as a healer um, and be part of your style as a healer, right? So for example, um, I have a lot of experience now with like shamanism through that apprenticeship and breath work. I've gone to these like Tony Robbins events. I've done men's work uh, circles. I've done um, psychedelic therapy. I've been on the receiving end of hypnotherapy, um, uh, self-regulating therapies, like all these things, yoga even. Um, even my yoga practice has a big influence on what I do in my sound baths. Because, you know, for example, a sound bath is basically like the best part of, of yoga. It's just a big, long shavasana. You're just lying down in shavasana position in corpse pose receiving right and so um, i took my influences from my own yoga practice um, and put it through channeled it through into the sound bath in little subtle ways right um so my healing journey uh, it like all of that that i've been through and all I've, I've done in terms of work on myself now channels through what i offer other people and what I, what the experience that I bring to other people, it's like this eclectic collection of, of my own skills that I've acquired and things that I've experienced in the past. And do you combine any psychedelics with the sound or any kind of breathwork events? Do you, do you partner yeah. with people with that? I always do breathwork in my events. Mm. Like that's always part of it because I learned from that feedback that I was talking about earlier, like the mm. compiling the data when I started doing this, um, that there does need to be a transitionary activity before the sound bath even starts. So um, I find breath work is highly effective from my own experience. And so that's why I get everyone in the room to participate in uh, various types of breathing techniques. It depends on what I'm feeling the room needs. Um, but uh, usually it's like a few rounds of of breathing techniques. Um, and then I'm also doing some brainwave entrainment by, um, by uh, tapping on my, my hand drum as well. So it's like 
and training the brain waves with a rhythm while they're breathing. Um, yeah, so there does need to be a transitional sort of thing that deepens the relaxation before the soundscape begins. That's just from experience. So there's about a 15 to 20 minute period of me just like priming people's minds and bodies before I even start the sound bath. And what's the largest event? I, I, you, you sent some photos over and I was really surprised by one of the photos you sent. It looked like a full, full uh, hall. Yes. Full of people. How many people would you say would be the maximum that you've that, that photo I sent you was probably a record for me in terms mm. of how many people I've done at the same time. There's probably 150 people in the room wow. there. Yeah, that was part of uh, Dr. Kevin Preston's um, new human event up in uh, Enderby, British Columbia this past summer. It was amazing. Yeah. So I was honored to be invited to share the stage uh, with a lot of other people that uh, were, were amazing that weekend. Mm -hmm. And then you've also done recently too that mental health. There was a mental health event at a school that brought you in privately to work with the teachers. That's amazing. So you, it sounds like you've covered a, a wide spectrum of types of events, private events. Um, yeah. 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 Before I was just doing my own events, you know, for the longest time, I was just doing my own events that I would, I would post online for um at different venues that i worked with like yoga studios mainly but recently i think last year it was just last year that i opened myself up to for hire to do like private uh wellness retreats in-home um gatherings uh where people just invite me to their home for like a birthday or um this beautiful thing happened uh not too long ago where I was hired to do a private one for a woman who was um, like deep into um, having cancer. And it was like, a, just like this really like, wow, that was so deep. And, um, and, and then, yeah, like the schools, this, this, um, the faculty or the, the principal of a school hired me to come to this high school recently and, and work with the staff and the faculty, um, for World Mental Health Day. And that was really interesting. Uh, I've done like festivals, you know, like music festivals and stuff like that. Not music festivals, but you know, like, what do you call those festivals? Like Bass well, Coast and, um, I don't know, you know, like EDM festivals and stuff okay. where people mm -hmm. are like dancing a lot and uh, having a sound bath, like, you know, the morning after a big party is actually, <laughs> turns out to be much needed <laughs> so yeah yeah i've done all kinds of things and, and that's what's great about doing this is is i get to go out there and i meet so many different people um i've made so many new friends and um, new connections and i've just like expanded my network like it's been incredible yeah. and it's, it's great to see that it's becoming very accepted it's becoming it's growing with acceptance and interest from many different i mean i was I was shocked when you mentioned the school because the principal hired you into a school to um, facilitate this private event for teachers. And that's incredible. So it's nice to see that that's becoming a bit more accepted. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird for me to like, 
go meet her there sitting in the principal's office. It was bringing back all kinds of like <laughs> memories of right. school getting sent to the principal's office anyway. Um, but yeah, that was the first time I, uh, I, uh, I'd been in a high school since high school. So that was funny. Um, yeah, so it's just been this incredible journey of, of meeting all kinds of, of people and having all these different experiences and, and uh, yeah, it's, it's been a very expansive uh, five years here doing mm -hmm. this. I believe it. That sounds incredible. And before we conclude here, I'd like to go into a conversation that you and I had regarding spiritual bypassing, just as far as the spiritual journey and this quest that we're on to find ourselves and to heal and to discover our full potential and release from our past difficulties and the shadow and the traumas and all the things that we don't want to face, we can tend to want to go to the other end of the spectrum and completely bypass reality or be bypass the hard, the hardships or hard aspects of ourselves, of our life that we do need to address or those difficult experiences that we, that offer a lot of gifts and value into in, in our life. So we did have a little bit of a conversation previously. What uh, what were your thoughts on that? And maybe offer some pearls of wisdom for the listeners here. Right. Yes. This whole, we talked about, um, yeah, I guess it would be like toxic positivity. Is that is that a term? Yeah. Like people are too positive and they think that that's going to like, um, manifests like the life of the that they're you know like a lot of people are into this um abundance manifestation the secret these kinds of things which is great um but i think like the stuff that you're avoiding is actually the gateway to like the life that you're going to um want to actually create so the stuff you're avoiding the shadowy stuff, you know, mm -hmm. um, once you address that, like the world will open up the way that you want it to until then you're just stuffing things down, avoiding, and then that you're recreating the same scenarios over and over again. And you don't know why, because you're not doing that inner work that's necessary to have the breakthrough. And sometimes that's, um, that's the stuff we avoid. This all the stuff we don't want to look at, like the dark, the corners of our of our mind, of our psyche. Um, Carl Jung would call it the the shadow, right? Um, that's where the gold is. You have to go in there. You have to deal with that stuff, and from there, um, your life is going to improve exponentially. I'll give you an example. Okay. So, um, in 2017, um, alcohol was still a big part of my life, you know, it was still just common. I was hanging around people that drinking was normal. You know, it was just this normal thing. Um, and I didn't even realize like how severe of an impact it was having in my life. Right. And then I went through this, um, well, I went out one night and, uh, I had a, um, a psilocybin um, um, ceremony booked like the following evening, right? I was going to do it. But the night before that, I was um, out 
drinking in a pub with with friends right and so there was alcohol like in my bloodstream during this ceremony you know what i mean so it was almost like the mushroom medicine communicated with the alcohol in my in my system and it took me on this like it sounds crazy but it took took me on this like life review journey almost i was having visions of like my whole life uh since i started um like having a relationship with alcohol from a very young age like maybe too young and um, I had this like life review uh, experience about all the things that have ever happened to me that could be directly correlated back to alcohol, hmm. right? And it was almost like some people would call it like a bad trip, but it was like a, um, a deep dive into my shadow, into the deep corners of my mind that I'd been like sweeping under the rug for years, right? And something in that experience like rewired my brain or my neural pathways and ever since then like i have not worked with alcohol or i've not touched alcohol and it's out of my life and my life is exponentially improved times who knows how much like it's just so much better without it I make better decisions my relationships are better my finances are better uh, I'm clear, my body's healthier, I'm in way better shape. Um, so anyway, this is one example of like doing the shadow work, you know, and how it can actually improve your life instead of like doing the spiritual bypassing thing and everything's all positive and light and love all the time. You have to like go and address these issues that you're having in, internally uh, before these um, quantum leaps can occur. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. And that's actually a similar story to mine. I remember I had a, I've done ayahuasca twice. I had two ceremonies in Canada, actually. And the second time I had drank the night before the ceremony, which you're not supposed to do. You're supposed to give, I think, a day or two just for your body to be clean. So not eating meats, not eating anything hard on the body definitely not drinking, but I did because it was my friend's birthday. I was used to drinking was just a, a reflex action of mine. Like it would just be an, a normal thing for me, very sociably accepted. Right. So when you're in that social environment, it's, it's just almost a reaction to that, that being in that environment. And I had a couple drinks uh, before the night of the ceremony. And then the ceremony itself, I went into the pit of hell. I went down into really an incredibly dark um, experience, but I knew what was happening. I, I wasn't afraid at all. It was actually sort of similar to what you said. It was not exactly the same experience, but it, it really opened my eyes to a lot. I don't, I didn't stop drinking afterwards, but it definitely, I, I gained a lot of information from that. And it, um, yeah, it, it taught me a lot, but it was really heavy, really, really heavy. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's these, I, every time I go into, I mean, I haven't had an experience such as that since that's probably been the most darkest experience, but I've gone through my own self-observation of my own darkness and, and those difficult times. And sometimes I have no choice, even if I wanted to spiritually bypass and go right into something positive, I can't because I have to face 
that moment in my life in order to understand what that what what's what what is at the root of it so I can remove it or I can understand it or heal from it right and um and then after those those moments shift and move out then there's a whole rebirth process that happens after that right and so it, it happens in many different forms but it is so crucial to go through that because then you you go into a deeper self-discovery from that process yeah absolutely yeah it's it's like the stuff we avoid is what's going to help us the most you know <laughs> and um yeah and sometimes you don't have a choice but to face it sometimes it's just it's there and uh, that's what you're in and you have to face it um and it's impossible to be positive all the time and i think like um it's kind of dangerous to like think that there's a hierarchy of emotions hmm. like people always want to vibe high i want to be a high vibe person or whatever um but that's not what being a human is you know exactly. it's it's not like you can always consistently be in like love and gratitude and and all that like high vibe what people perceive as like high vibe emotional states right it's great to practice like a gratitude practice i do that every morning i'm like what am i grateful for i write out a little list and um that's great you can definitely change your state but um yeah i just think it's it's it can be uh dangerous to um think that they should always only be in that that you know positive emotions all the time and um, maybe the negative emotions are trying to teach you something so that you can have a breakthrough and get to the next step of your evolution yeah exactly all right, Mike, thank you so much for everything. This was wonderful. Um, how can people find you? So I will leave information below for your Instagram. Um, any other shout outs that you want to give here would be great. And uh, of course, the SoundQuest, SoundQuest Academy is what you're running now for people who are wanting to uh, learn how to be a sound healer. Yes. So you can find me on Instagram at SoundQuest. And uh, SoundQuest Academy, that link is in the bio of SoundQuest. Uh, so it's two different Instagram profiles. You can also find me on Facebook, same thing, SoundQuest. Uh, you find my page there. Um, I'm going to be launching the new version of my program uh, next year in probably late January, 2024. And it's going to be helping sound healers all over the world uh, turn their passion for sound healing into a thriving uh, business so that they can make good money doing this and help a lot of people at the same time. Because if you're not making a living doing this, then that means you're not a professional. It means that you're just a dabbler and you're not going to make a lot of impact. So I'm going to show you or show sound healers the roadmap, the blueprint on how to turn this into going from a hobbyist to a professional and helping a lot of people in the process. Wonderful. All right. So I'll leave the links here for people to follow through. And uh, again, thanks Mike for everything. It was really great. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining another episode of beyond the veil. Make sure to find me over on YouTube and Instagram. Also check out my website for more information on the Shadow Project and the Inner Circle. 
and wishing you all the best with your transformative journey and beyond.